thank you for listening to Best Flicks with Ricky D. Talk movies with Ricky D on Twitter at Best Flicks Ricky D and on Instagram at Best Flicks Ricky D. Catch Ricky D live with the sudden but inevitable rebop at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Best Flicks with Ricky D is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them. Hey, everybody. It's New Week, and we've got another episode of Best Flicks. I am watching The Last Jedi following up from Force Awakens last week, and I'm here with Josh again. Welcome for com- Thanks for coming along, Josh. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm always, I'm always excited to talk yeah. Star Wars. So we did a little bit of chatting before the show started, but I didn't want to reveal it. Uh, I guess Josh uh, finds this episode a little bit problematic. Yeah, um, I, it's so hard to explain because this movie divided the fan base in half. Okay, well, so. well, I'm sure we'll get into that through the course of the episode. But I wanted to say, I think I liked this movie a lot more than uh, Force Awakens. You know, most most people that aren't like huge Star Wars losers like me, really, that's that's their the general consensus that this was the best out of the sequel trilogy. Which, in all actuality, like as far as like the visuals and the fight scenes and like surprises, it it was really good. It was it was a good movie. I still enjoy this movie. I have my issues, like you said, we'll talk about. That I mean, most most diehard fans, they, they we all have the same issues. the The thing about it is, though, it's still Star Wars, and I still enjoy this movie, and I still watch it. So, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. a lot of what I was enjoying was all of the fights in space, all the different spaceships, all of that going on. Uh, there was a lot of all of the like Kylo Ren and the I called her Jenny Ray. I called her Jenny in my notes because I couldn't remember her name. Uh, everything with Ray and Luke Skywalker and all that kind of backstory, I was a little more wishy-washy on. I didn't follow it quite as tightly. Are you talking like the the exposition of all this stuff and like how? Yeah, I just kind of this... came to be where he was and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they don't really go into it. You don't. <laughs> okay. Really, you know that the you take it at face value, basically, as you know, Luke failed. Kylo Ren, Kylo, you know, Ben Solo destroyed the Jedi Temple and Luke just went into exile. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of the main issues that most fans have is the uh, the way that Luke was handled. Um, in fact, Mark Hamill actually said that at one point in time before Last Jedi came out, he was like, yeah, Ryan Johnson, and I don't really agree with uh, the way Luke Skywalker was treated, but it's OK. Yeah. He He has since come back and, you know, like backpedaled a little bit about stuff but but yeah it's the the way that he just kind of gave up you know like it was he did so much work to get vader to come back he did all this extra stuff he was so gung-ho about things and and then he throws his lightsaber off a cliff yeah and the one little (laughs) thing like sends him into this spiral where he's milking space cows you know it's Oh man, that was such an unnecessary scene. Right? <laughs> I when he went over there and he just milked those space cow nipples and drank the fresh milk out of there. I was just like, this is not necessary. This is and weird and so unnecessary. 
Well, the, those creatures are full animatronics, and this uh, film was was filmed on uh, on an island outside mm-hmm. of Scotland, I believe. And they actually flew those creatures over the ocean, tied like tied to helicopters, like to the to the scenes. So, uh-huh. so there's some cool little like, you know, behind the scenes footage where they're like, yeah, it was really hard to keep this under wraps when we're flying these giant creatures overseas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, you... I, yeah. Sorry, go. Yeah, you mentioned that you had a correction or maybe a little bit more information about something we were talking about last week. Oh, yes. It it wasn't much of a correction. I just felt bad because I couldn't really explain Kylo Ren's lightsaber. Um, The the reason it is the way it is is because he was very um, inexperienced. He didn't really know how to make a lightsaber. Okay. And uh, his crystal was um, defective, like from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So um, that was kind of the whole the whole thing. Like it, I know I kind of explained it that way, but okay. I, I got it from Wikipedia. You know, went to Wikipedia and figured it out. Um, he, uh, let's see, uh, he it was a cracked kyber crystal that he had gathered to make his lightsaber. So he messed up by getting it. So even his his Jedi lightsaber was messed up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that was it. That was it. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess you could say also he, he modeled it after the uh, crossguard lightsaber that was used in the Great Scourge of Malachor, which is an event that happened a millennia before the New Republic era, which is actually where the High Republic comic series and new book series is set in. So we actually see a lot of those lightsabers being used. Okay. I mean... It's, we're getting a little more backstory on it. Yeah, it's it kind of makes it into more of a medieval sword versus like a Japanese-style sword is kind of what that that crossbar represents to me. Right. right. Very brute, brute strength kind of thing. And Kylo, is he kind of uses it as a brute mm-hmm. object. <laughs> yeah, there was that scene near the end where he was fighting back-to-back with Rey, and he was very brutish in his movements. It didn't look like a Jedi fighting. It was, he was. I wouldn't. I don't want to say clumsy, but brutish. I I I think clumsy is a good word though, because they were both clumsy. There was there was no episode three Anakin versus Vader lightsaber battles in this movie. Mm-hmm. This was all like Kylo. I think Kylo was so messed up from what he had done, like in his head, that he was very clunky with things. His decision making at the end was a little weird with with how he would use the lightsaber yeah after whereas he killed Rey, snoke yeah whereas ray has just never been trained and she's like uh swing 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 <laughs> swing so um i i think i think clumsy is, is a good word for that but they did work on that um that scene for like eight months the choreography of that scene yeah okay so that that room that snoke was in where mm-hmm. he's got like these bright red backdrops he's got all of these guards he's got this giant chair in the middle that reminded me so much of like a stage that you would set up for a lady gaga concert (laughs) isn't that exactly what that looks like and all those like guys in the red armor around the sides are the backup dancers absolutely giant fans spinning everywhere Uh a huge weird magnifying glass that gaga could use to look at the crowd absolutely 
Like, <laughs> right. I like it. Every time we went into Snoke's little like room there, I just started laughing. Yeah, his his throne room was was interesting for sure. Um, I liked again the, that whole fight scene was epic. It's one of the best fight scenes in the saga, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't know, Snoke. Snoke just seemed a little worthless in this in this movie. You know, he like, did. By the end, he. What's the point of him? You know. Yeah. He sat on his throne the entire time. He gave some orders that were ignored, and then he was killed by his apprentice. Yeah. I mean, very Sith-like. That's very something a Sith would do. Um, but so that's one of the big issues. Like, that's a big qualm. One of the biggest issues with, with this movie and fans was how it was set eight minutes after The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you what you thought about that, that whole, cause it, to me, to me, it's very, um, just kind of thrown in there. Like at the end of force awakens, did you watch the end of it? And then watch I did this. Yep. Okay. I rewatched so like the, the last end, 10 minutes. You notice Snoke is like, come back to base. We're going to re regroup, you know? And, and like, there's, uh, um, they had all landed, you know, everyone's all celebrating and stuff. And it's like, the first order knew exactly where they went so so basically within 8 minutes snoke kylo and general hux all gathered together formed a plan figured out exactly where the resistance base is and then went out there and attacked them what did you think of that uh so you told me about how the two episodes just like ran directly into each other so I was on the lookout for it, and I was kind of paying attention to, all right, they just finished this battle. These guys are coming back up. The bad guys are... But I don't think I would have known that that was happening so quickly after the first episode if I wasn't on the lookout for it. Yeah. I think it would just be kind of another... Here uh, We're going into battle again. They got found kind of thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean... That's one of the bigger things for me personally, just because of it just didn't make a lot of sense coming directly after, you know, they they just got their whole Starkiller base destroyed. And you're telling me that, I mean, I don't know, it's just, it's just weird to me that they, they recoup that fast. And all, all of the other Star Wars movies are um, set years apart. So yeah. that was the first um, Star Wars trope that Ryan Johnson kicked in this mm -hmm. was the uh the years difference um i will I just, say I, I wasn't a big fan yeah i will say that uh it seemed like the rebels are they still rebels in this episode or they have a new name is it like the new republic okay we'll call yeah. them the rebels i they seem I mean, to at this point i guess the rebels yeah okay they seem to be losing a significant portion of their uh army of their supporters of themselves like they kept taking, losing a whole bunch of transport ships, but in the end, there was still a giant hangar full of rebels ready to fight. It kind of seemed like everything that they were losing didn't matter. Well, every oh man, I think there was only like sixty, sixty left at the end. Okay, so the the first order had blown up what six planets in Force Awakens, and that were those were all Resistance planets. 
Okay. So all of those people were involved with the resistance in some way and the uh, New Republic. Maybe the resistance so, is bigger than I realized, or it was bigger than I it, realized. It seemed like a and, small cluster of people around uh, Princess Leia, but it's I probably be, more than that. I think I think I might be a little a little wrong on that too, because it is it's such a hard era to explain. You know, if you if you go in canonically, you have the Galactic Republic, then you have the Empire, and now you have the New Republic. So. It's the New Republic, and the First Order is technically the rebels at this point, because the New Republic in the in the books, like there's the uh, the aftermath series, which shows the complete fall of the Empire and how the First Order actually started, and then there's there was a, a Princess Leia book, um, what was it, uh, Bloodline, uh, it's called Bloodlines, and that that was the explanation of when leia got pregnant and mm-hmm. the beginning of the new republic so leia leia was actually like the leader of the new republic and then when the first order showed up to like regain the imperial supporters cuz obviously there's still imperial supporters in a giant galaxy you know and so like first order shows up to start getting supporters again and leia um, is trying to get everyone to fight the First Order, and they don't want to because they're like, we're the Republic, and we're good. And and so she's like, well, screw that. I'm going to step down and start a resistance project. And so Leia basically starts a whole new... It's the resistance against the First Order, right? Okay. And then by the end of Force Awakens, the First Order has destroyed all of the New Republic planets. So the New Republic is basically gone. And the First Order has, quote-unquote, taken over. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of Last Jedi, they're not the Resistance anymore. They're the Rebels. Because the Resistance has now formed into the Rebellion against the New Empire, which is the First Order. It sounds like, uh, I don't know, the, the diary of what's going on in the Middle East or something. Like all the different changing of hands and... Yeah, it's evolving it's a hard into thing new, to explain. but the old thing, but they're just under a new name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, this movie had some good, some good jokes in it, though. I liked some. I like, wrote even the stupid your mom joke at the beginning. I I still kind of laugh at that because I I, uh, I I don't know. <laughs> permission to get in an X wing and blow stuff up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was exactly. there were some pretty yeah. cheesy jokes. Yeah, for uh, sure. I did. I liked, uh, R2 and R2 and Luke meet again for the first time and he like R2's yelling at him and he's like sacred Jedi temple watch your language (laughs) yeah uh there was the fight scene like the space battle scene early on where Poe goes at that dreadnought and he starts Mm -hmm. shooting all the cannons off and uh all of the the bad guys are all freaking out and trying to scramble because they thought they were in charge that was pretty cool uh, that yes. was probably when I was getting most excited, honestly. like It got me excited for early in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't understand who that purple-haired woman was. Holdo? Again, that's a that's a book thing. So in Bloodlines, okay. Holdo is introduced. Um, and they're very close. Leia and Holdo are really close. They she was Holdo was kind of her right-hand man, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but you would never know that unless you read the books right and it seemed weird to me that the first interaction she had with poe 
she's like demoting him and telling him he was breaking rules and disobeying orders and that kind of thing. But later on, Poe, like he told him, he was telling her what to do. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden Poe is like, no, we're in charge now and we're not doing what you say. And it was, I didn't understand the ranking between Poe and her. She seemed like she was outranked. She got demoted or uh, he got demoted, which then, I mean, she outranked him either way because she's an admiral. Mm -hmm. And so she was going to outrank him no matter what. Um, My biggest issue with her character is why do we put her in that seat and not motherfucking Akbar? I'm sorry for swearing. (laughs) But Akbar. You mean when they blew up that ship at the end? Yes. The amazing hyperspace, like light speed explosion, like again, one of the best scenes <laughs> in mm-hmm. a long time. Why was that not Akbar? Why did Akbar get treated so crappy in this? Like it was just at the beginning. It like he basically just is a th- off the screen death. And Akbar was so big in Return of the Jedi. Like he mm-hmm. was such a big part of that. And I I would absolutely believe that akbar would be the one to be like no you guys stay on the ships and i'm gonna take care of this <laughs> and like i mean that i don't that that's my one of my big things about holdo i like her character i love that actress mm-hmm. um she's she was in jurassic park i think that was the first time i saw her oh wow um, she but um I just, I just think that she was kind of another one of those just useless characters. Yeah, I do um, agree a hundred percent that Admiral Akbar would have been a great person to finish that, uh, you know, launch his ship right through the enemies. And I, I know that Ryan. Johnson I don't know who anybody's so named bad. anymore. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan Johnson guys. wanted so bad to make this not a nostalgic movie. You know, he wanted to change the whole perception of Star Wars and and just you know, basically. Basically, it was a, a meta. A lot of lines in here were meta. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. And that's exactly what Ryan Johnson did in a lot of ways by killing Luke, killing Snoke. Like, Did Luke he, die at I, the end of this? Absolutely. Oh, okay. He becomes one with the Force at the end. He does the, uh, the, uh-huh. the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing, you know? Mm-hmm. He disappears. When he first... Um, uh, when he was going up against all those AT-ATs and he was getting blasted, but he survived it. I, I pretty much immediately went, he's doing the projection thing. He's doing the Jedi projection, but I didn't quite catch that he died at the end. That's We're going to go with cool died you, in uh, quotes. That's cool that you noticed that because I had no, I didn't even, I didn't put two and two together. I was so excited just to see Luke come on the screen and like, I'm like, oh my God, he's about he's about to he's about to wreck things, you know. And I didn't didn't really come to me until uh, like right when Kylo Ren got down there. I was like, okay, I think something's up, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, cause he he like he didn't want to go join the fight, but then he all of a sudden did and had enough time to go get a haircut and like a new outfit. And the biggest giveaway is the lightsaber. Because he's using the blue lightsaber that Ray clearly has. Okay. It's, it, I and I don't know. I how was I never noticed. I was really that. hoping that Luke Skywalker was going to like just swing his lightsaber right in front of him as all of those giant ships launched their lasers at him, and he just oh, like just reflects them. all of these giant like building destroying laser blasts. Oh, that would be sick. I do love that shot 
of Luke. That's probably my shot. If I had to pick a shot of the movie, it would be mm-hmm. Luke standing in front of the AT-ATs, the gorilla walkers, and uh, they're they're actually walkers that can climb up walls. I think. Oh. <laughs> I think that might have been a rumor. I don't okay. know. If I, I don't know if I'm mixing rumors and fact, but um, I uh, that 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 scene I wanted on a poster with him just standing there in front of all the walkers and it's that would make a good poster in the back you know i think that'd be sick yeah i'm gonna make that my background yeah (laughs) uh we're doing a lot of jumping around we're not very linear in this so nope i don't think i'm helping with it so just wanted to mention (laughs) that for all the listeners we're jumping around a lot uh i i have a hard time it's it's probably mostly my fault because i am just if there's one thing I know about, it's Star Wars. And if there's one thing I do, it's jump around yeah. <laughs> in Star Wars. So I apologize. I'm going to try and do better. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite notes that I wrote down from this is when Kylo was, he was like at the helm of the ship that was bearing down on the Alliance cruiser. And he and uh, Leia, they kind of do the shared vision thing. Mm-hmm. And then he hesitates and he can't kill them. And I wrote down in my notes, Kylo can't kill his mommy. <laughs> mama's boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it is your mom. I-, I feel like that's probably a pretty hard thing to do, no matter how evil you become, you know? Yeah. I mean, even, even Anakin had a thing with his mom. He killed an entire race of Tusken Raiders because his mom died. So, like, that connection's pretty strong. <laughs> uh, Jedi's have mommy issues, I guess, or at least the I Sith guess. do. That makes a lot of sense. Did Sith have mommy issues? Yeah, man. Maybe we'll get a, a like a old school like Palpatine backstory, like before Clone Wars, and he's just like being raised by some terrible single mother, <laughs> like the mother from Jay and Silent Bob. All right, now just stand outside this gas station here. Don't you move. <laughs> That would be my guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one um, of the things that I saw in this movie that I was really enjoying, and I don't know if it popped up in Force Awakens, is I really like the way Star Wars does the light speed, like the arrival of ships, where it's just kind of they mm. bla- they pop out of nowhere. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they... I think they did that a little bit in Force Awakens. It wasn't a lot. It was... They did it right when they got to the Starkiller base. They like <laughs> popped in and then came down. But, we spent a lot yeah, of time in space in this movie. Yes. Uh, well, this movie is referred to as the uh, Star Wars Car Wars Car Chase. Oh. <laughs> because it is just a giant car chase in space. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, no, that's another qualm that people had, you know, asking about the decisiveness of this movie. There was never anything about fuel mentioned ever in (laughs) star wars until this movie right interesting um and i will bring up this this had to have been planned because solo a star wars story was all about fuel like that whole movie was was about fuel so it was like no there is fuel in the universe see see han had to steal it (laughs) You know, uh, Solo is the what the Solo story, whatever it's called. That mm-hmm. is one movie that I have seen. Yeah. What did you think? It was so long ago. I don't remember much. Uh, you know, I kind of want to watch it again, and I haven't had that thought since. 
Uh, the big reason why I watched the solo story is I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of Don Daniel Daniel oh, Glover. Glover. Donald, thank you. Donald Glover, Childish yeah. Gambino. Clearly, Danny I'm a Glover big fan. From Danny Glover is from Lethal Weapon. Right. Also very famous. I you know it, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I watched it so, basically for him. Solo was actually really good. Um, and I, I I really enjoyed it, but it came out after this movie. So Solo came out mm-hmm. in May. Um, the the May after Last Jedi came out, and it it just for Star Wars numbers it flopped. Right, it I heard made a lot of money, but it did not do well. Um, but yeah, and the the fuel thing was like, I don't know, dude. It just that's so annoying to me. I can I can understand the the hyperdrive tracking system or yeah. whatever, but the the fuel like. Just hang on their tail, man. They're just going to run out of fuel sometime, and then they'll be fine. We'll just kill them then. And then luckily there's a old rebel base nearby that's within. Yeah. And Holdo, why couldn't you just tell Poe at the beginning, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to fly to this planet, and then we're going to sneakily under the radar, escape to that planet, and let them follow this ship until it runs out of gas. They'll shoot it, and, it'll, and they'll think that they killed us, but we'll be safe on this other planet. We're going to be fine. Just trust me. Why couldn't she go and say that to him? If 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 she would have said that to Poe, she would have given Poe the plan at the beginning. There would have never been an unnecessary casino scene with <laughs> Rose and Finn riding horses through uh, Star Wars New York, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the that casino scene, it was kind of cool, but it does feel shoehorned in. Like, they're just going to be like, this is our cantina scene for this movie, and here's some cool aliens you've never seen before. And it was it was trying to, like, pull on your heartstrings, you know, like, not everywhere in the galaxy is, you know, rainbows, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's gambling and, and there's horse racing, or they torture these, and these orphan kids, and blah, 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 um, which, that's good to, to bring that up, yeah, but we don't have to spend 45 minutes on that. Yeah. And waste an actor like Benicio del Toro on that. I mean, the best part of that whole scene was the music. John Williams' Canto Bite um, track mm-hmm. is one of my favorite tracks. Yeah. Just because it's, it's so catchy and bouncy, mm-hmm. you know. But it just, yeah, that, that the whole sending them off to go find a code breaker, which... And here's another thing. And then they found there was only one code breaker that could possibly do this, except for the guy that they randomly ran into. Yeah, come on. And Maz, really? Like Maz is now in at some other planet for a, a union dispute. Her her whole bar just got blown up twenty minutes prior to that, <laughs> and now she's at a union dispute. What? <laughs> I didn't understand the 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 need for Maz either, but again, it's all just plot convenience. Yeah. You know? I wonder how many times people asked Ryan Johnson, "Why doesn't Holdo just tell Poe the plan?" <laughs> yeah. Some like glaring plot holes. It was just that that was just weird to me that 
Is that my mic? I think it is. Hold, please. Yep. Okay, I'm back. All right. Sorry. No worries. Uh, there was one thing. There were a couple of weird little symbolic moments in the movie that went right past me. Uh, Kylo got a hold of those, like, dice that were on a chain. It looked like something you would hang from your rearview mirror. What was that? Um, so that, when, when Ray first lands on Octu, the planet, uh, Luke goes and explores the Falcon for a minute and mm -hmm. finds the dice hanging on the rear view mirror of the Millennium Falcon, apparently. And uh, those dice were actually introduced in Solo. Um, it's another one of those things that I think they threw into this movie, like they forced into this movie to have a connection to the Solo movie. Okay. Um, because that was the pair of dice that Amelia Clark's character had given um, Han Solo. Okay. And then Kylo ends up with him who's with the dice and he's Han Solo's son. So it's kind of a emotional. Okay. Yeah, it would, it would be emotional if Solo came out first. Yeah. <laughs> that movie got delayed too. Solo was supposed to, I believe it was supposed to come out before last Jedi. Um, and the guys that made the Lego movie, um, I think it's the same dudes that actually did Civil War and Endgame for Avengers. Okay. Arrest Development guys. Um, they got fired, and they had to basically, they got fired in the middle of production of Solo, and so they brought in Ron Howard to finish it, and it got delayed a bunch. So, Okay. I think I think if, it, if the movie came out before Last Jedi like it was supposed to, then... That, yeah, some of these things could have made more sense. Uh, yeah. Maybe the answer to my next question also is connected to Solo. Uh, how about the stormtrooper in the super shiny armor? Phasma? Who was that? What's that? Captain Phasma. She was, was she in, in the Force Awakens. Awakens? Was she? Okay. Yeah, she's uh, she's played by Gwendolyn Christie, Brienne of Tarth. Oh. Okay. Uh, and so she, another character that got kind of jacked in this. Um, mm -hmm. There's a deleted scene, uh, and it's a fight scene between um, Finn and Phasma. And it's it's actually, it's really good. If, if you ever get a chance, go watch that deleted scene, because it gives Phasma a little bit more of a, a badass um, ending. But she was very, <clears throat> she was the Boba Fett of this series, of this sequel trilogy. Okay, so she wasn't say. necessarily a, a stormtrooper. She just had... She Stormtrooper armor. Yep, she was the captain of the stormtroopers, basically of the first order troops. Um, okay. She had like, and she had special armor because she was very uh, decorated as a stormtrooper. So. Um, okay. But yeah, she was she was briefly in the Force Awakens at the beginning, when she asked Finn FN two one eight seven submit your blaster. Yep. For yeah. Yeah. Inspection. And then she basically disappears. <laughs> you, you see her at the the end when when Finn, you know, th before they throw her in the trash compactor, 
but then that's it. And then you don't see her again until this scene in Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And then she just kind of, I don't know, kind of has a, she falls, she just falls off a yeah. edge. I don't know, it's just dumb. She got blasted <laughs> in the face. I guess. I guess that was a cool little, little uh, golf swing with that, that first, first order, I don't even know what that's called, like electric, electric baseball bat. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, they're also the, uh, backup dancers for Snoke. They had those weird, like, anti-lightsaber chain swords. Those yeah, were those are aw- cool. Yeah, they're cool. I like them. Um, but I guess, uh, like, General Grievous, he had that electric staff thing, and that could fight off lightsabers. So it's not like lightsabers are the ultimate end-all weapon. Right. right. Well, and you got the uh, the dark saber in Mandalorian. That yeah. can also um, fight off lightsabers. The dark saber um, is not a lightsaber. Is that what you're saying? Well, <laughs> that's. I guess what as when I say it, it kind of yeah. comes out kind of interesting. Of course, yeah, a dark saber is the opposite of a lightsaber. Right. It's still made with a kyber crystal, but it's made with a black one, and it was special made for Mandalore. If I'm, there was a war. And the Mandalore were the anti Jedi's, right? The Mandalore yes, were killing all the Jedi's. They, okay. They, they had to make that to defeat the Jedi in the War of Mandalore, like thousands, thousands of years ago in the future. Mm-hmm. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I do feel like Phasma was very underutilized in this saga, though, because that is the last time you'll see her. Yeah. Spoiler, sorry. Um, no. Nah. But she, she definitely dies there. And it was it was a lot like Boba Fett. You know, like very, very like Boba Fett. You bring him in in one episode, he looks badass standing there saying a couple lines. Mm-hmm. And then in the next episode, you just push him off a cliff into an abyss and he's dead. <laughs> so, um, Luke, Luke Skywalker, I mean, that's one of the most underutilized characters. I just feel like, again, I feel like Luke would never have done what he did. And the way that they kind of turned him into this hermit crab was very, uh, to to me as a fan, as a you know, as a mm-hmm. Star Warsian or whatever, I don't think they did him justice. Yeah. Now, if if there's other stories like the Mandalorian might go on with that story and kind of elaborate a little bit more, maybe he had some some other issues, underlying issues that made him disappear like that i mean and he's kind of following obi-wan kenobi obi-wan did pretty much the same thing uh you look like you disagree i (laughs) i had this argument with justin on quest me recently Mm -hmm. (laughs) um because he said kind of the same thing that there was a parallel between those movies and yes luke did send himself to exile but I, I believe, and, and I guess you could kind of, it's, it's from a certain point of view <laughs> in, in a way, because I think that his, his failure was self-inflicted. You know what I mean? Uh, Luke's or Obi-Wan's? Luke's. Luke's. Um, but again, certain point of view, mm-hmm. you could also say that Obi-Wan's was self-inflicted because of Anakin. But I don't think that's true. I think Anakin got pulled from Palpatine, and that's why he went to the dark side. He got he got manipulated hardcore. And Obi-Wan did everything he could 
to keep him as a Jedi. Now, Luke, on the other hand, had this vision, and he's like, oh, Ben could be bad. And he, like, slipped for a second. You know, he slips up for a second and then, like, you know, realizes it. I, to me, I think Luke would have more been on the I'm going to fix my failure because he fixed his dad. You right. Know, he he fixed the the rebellion. He fixed the Republic. Like he he was always the guy to come in and kind of fix things. So I just personally think that he would have more been along the man. I, I really messed up here. And, you know, a lot of shit happened. But I I feel like I could probably bring him back to the light. Like I feel right. like I could, I could turn him back. The, and that makes sense for his character when you explain it like that. I agree with you. Um, again, it, it, it was a really good way to, to subvert expectations, um, what Ryan Johnson did. And I, I won't crucify Ryan Johnson for, for the way that Luke did things. Cause he still went out as a badass. I still think he, he had a really good out, you know, projecting himself and taking on the first order. Mm-hmm. But, um, again, like it's just. I think most other directors would have went the other way. And I really think that J.J. Abrams also had this story in mind that was going to go the other way. Uh, so Star Wars is kind of going a little more cutesy these days because they're trying to it's Disney and they're attracting the kids and everything. Did you have any like favorite cute moments, whether it was a animated character showing up or something in between two characters i'll throw one out uh because this is my own weird question but uh when poe got back into that rebel base where there was all that sand that would turn red and he mm-hmm. met bb-8 again he rubbed bb-8's belly like he was a dog and i my, like my heart melted at that moment i was like oh that's <laughs> so cute <laughs> yeah i questioned that i was like can bb-8 feel that like does he feel him rubbing him uh, i i think things you know, I think a lot of the droids and their operators have intense connections There's, like that. Yeah, I, Luke I, and R2 yeah. kind of have that same vibe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, as much as people hated them, I did enjoy some of the Porg scenes. Yeah. I especially like the one where Chewie was eating one. He's like frying him up and the other uh-huh. Porgs are like looking at him all sad i thought that was really cute in a kind of messed up way because you're like right oh, they're sad that this is the circle of life and he's a yeah. wookie and gonna eat your kind like <laughs> and then you get you know they're flying the falcon at the end of the movie mm-hmm. and porg is in the cockpit and you're like oh that's cute chewie brought one along for the ride and then you remember Ooh. oh he eats those things <laughs> yeah might be dinner <laughs> Chewie was a savage in this movie, I feel like. He's mm-hmm. like, you know what? They killed my best friend. I'm going to eat whatever I want now. <laughs> All right. You might be the only person I know that can answer this question. Okay. What is on Chewie's bandolier? His, uh, his like, straps? Yeah. Um, I believe it's just, a like, car- cargo stuff. Like, probably extra... Uh, so it's fuses and screws and I would, I would assume that kind so, of stuff. Yeah. Okay. I would assume so. I, I've honestly never even looked into that. Here, let me Wikipedia that real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can do that. What, what else you got? What other questions you got? <laughs> uh, sh- sh- I'm looking through here. Oh, man. Uh, 
the last planet they were on where that rebel base was what was the name of that planet i feel uh, like you've mentioned it a couple times it's, it's i i ilenium okay Ilenium. never mind i i think i'm thinking of something else you said but the way the sand turned red after like it would get kind of activated or turned over or whatever i thought that was a really cool idea by the director's producer whoever came up with that because it like it conveyed a sense of violence and destruction without actually having to show that many people right. die or you don't actually have to see the blood of all these people but it still conveys that feeling that was a really great decision i thought yeah um it's crate the planet is crate okay um which okay before i go Chewie's bandolier is a combination of a tool belt, ammunition carrier, and a snack holder. <laughs> you pretty much nailed it. Yeah. Um, but crate is it's funny because in Star Wars lore, there's a thing called a crate dragon. I don't know if you yep. watched Mandalorian season two, but there's a crate dragon. Spelled differently. Um, crate the planet is C-R-A-I-T. Crate the dragon is K-R-A-Y-T. Um, but a lot of people when when they announced that the name of that planet was Crate, we're freaking out like, oh my god, are we going to see some Crate dragons? This is going to be awesome. This is going to be fantastic. But I think the red sand was was a little bit cooler, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, minerals in the soil that reacted to UV radiation. So it would the underneath the white would be the minerals that would oh, okay. react to the radiation and gotcha. the white. So yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. So all of that is gonna turn white sand. It, yeah. Yeah. Once it once it like hits the the sunlight or whatever, if it gets mm -hmm. kicked up that red basically it's like it's like how our blood is I think blue, but once it hits oxygen it turns red or whatever mm -hmm. that is. Um it's some something like that. So I've got a complaint, especially for Jesse. Okay. Uh, the near the end of the movie when they started going flying through the canyon and everything, mm. I let out a big like, oh Jesus, they really did lean on this hard. <laughs> you you mean lean on the Falcon? Uh, lean on the just all of a sudden the Falcons being followed by a ton of Tie Fighters. Let's go through this convenient canyon and have them all destroy themselves. Well, and they played the exact same music that they play in every single canyon chase for the yeah. fucking ever. So, yeah, I, I think that's uh, standard <laughs> for any Star Wars movie. You have to go through some sort of tight space in the Falcon. And, and I'll tell you, the Rise of Skywalker is no different. <laughs> uh, it is interesting that when the uh, when we were underground, all of the walls and everything were red because they weren't exposed to sunlight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, that that was a again. This this movie has some some really cool stuff to it. Um, Star Wars fandom and like personal issues aside, this movie was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, seeing it in the theaters was was great. The light speed through the Snoke ship again is is one of the greatest things ever. Okay, so uh, that woman did the light speed through Snoke's ship. I think it was Finn was going straight at that giant cannon and he was like, his speeder was getting built up. Both of those reminded me 
was the second Death Star destroyed by somebody doing a suicide run into it, or am I misremembering? No, it was Lando. Lando was flying the Falcon with Neem Num, the little <laughs> alien dude. I know exactly who that is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's got the they... jowls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he does yeah. The, the fun little laughs. But yeah, um, it was Lando and Wedge and Neem Num that like flew in the Death Star. They had to go into the actual. That's that was like the scene, the okay. scene where they're in the tight space and they're flying through it. And uh, they get to the core of the Death Star and they shoot it and then fly out. Okay. No one ever uh, did any sacrifice like that, really. All right. I I think I'm thinking of a different space movie then. Cause I f- oh, uh, Independence, Day. Independence Day. Independence yeah. <laughs> Day. I was just. <laughs> yeah. That was Independence Day. Yeah, with uh, the, what's his name? I'm uh, back. Right, the crazy guy. I can't. He used to be such a staple. Who? What's his name? Randy I'm not Quaid. Sh- Randy Quaid. Oh, Dennis Quaid's crazy drunken brother. Yes. yes. <laughs> Randy Quaid was in a little movie called Grind back in the day, and uh, he was the leader of a clown college. It, I, if you've ever seen it, if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, I do not know. <laughs> it's really good. Um. So in this scene too, the in the the crate scene i should say with the sand and everything you have all the the troops in the trenches um just one of the cameos there's not a lot of cameos in this but one of the cameos uh was gareth edwards uh director of rogue one. Oh, okay he was he was one of the soldiers down in the trenches um which rogue one came out a year before last jedi and uh obviously they want to you know put each other in the movies and right stuff. but um so on, on the top the, the quick t- cameos here there's not like i said there's not a lot warwick davis is in it of course as one of the aliens in the casino scene mm-hmm. um joseph gordon levitt is actually the guy that turns them in on the casino turns in finn and rose and he's like pointing at the ship oh that's sam over there <laughs> that's joseph gordon levitt um and then mark hamill plays the alien that collects all the coins okay uh the ones that's like feeding them into bb8 (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um other than that there's not a lot of cameos in this one Mm -hmm. not as many as you would think my notes are running a little bit thin are they yeah some time all right yeah what else do you (laughs) have um i I mean, there's there's a lot, man. There's there's like, just the, the the problems with this movie, and I wanted to clarify because a lot of people think that every Star Wars fan hates this movie. I do not hate this movie. I really, really think that Disney is at fault here. the The biggest person at fault, or the biggest player at fault in this whole saga, this whole sequel trilogy, is Disney. They basically allowed. J.J. Abrams to write an outline to an entire trilogy. He he did Force Awakens, but had outlines and bullet points for um, eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Then once once Ryan Johnson came in, Kathleen Kennedy, she's the biggest culprit. She gave him complete, free, utter whatever he wanted to do, he could do it because it didn't matter. Star Wars was gonna make money. 
you can do whatever you want with this story. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it, she, she, you know, they're right. It made a ton of money, but it was, I think, at the expense of the the story as a whole. Look, we never got any, um, any more Knights of Ren in this one. You didn't see any more Knights of Ren. You didn't figure out, you know, why um, the lightsaber did what it did with Rey when it calls out to her. Mm-hmm. You don't really get any sort of indication of why Han Solo was the way he is with Rey in The Force Awakens when he was like, you want a job? Like, I don't ask people this, but for some reason, there's like, I, I have some sort of feeling for you and I need to incorporate you into our lives. Somehow. And I was kind of having these weird feelings like Ray was going to be Han Solo's daughter. Uh, she might be like half sibling or something to Kylo Ren. And then we got that information at the end. It's just like, oh, your parents are nobody. Right. And and OK, I mean, obviously that was built up to be something else. You know that that. Yeah. At the end of this movie, you're like, but. But that doesn't answer anything. Like, and also, why would you kill Snoke? Snoke is like the 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 main antagonist here. He's he's the guy. He is the one that is controlling everything. He looks so powerful. You're you're gonna tell me that Snoke didn't sense that that lightsaber was turning next to him? Really? He could he could pull Ray up and twirl her around with his finger mm-hmm. laughing about it not even moving and you're gonna say that he's that kylo is so strong that he could mask what he was doing to snow like come on man that, that he just basically and and you'll see once you watch rise of skywalker because we'll do that next week um mm-hmm. and and the conclusion of of the saga is it's crazy. Like I said, we'll talk about it. All right. But, um, but as I'm... far as this goes, it took a lot of Force Awakens things and just threw it out the window and just mm-hmm. got rid of a bunch of, of plot points and just let them go away. Kill the past. Let it die. You know, and and to me, it just it, it left so many unanswered questions that one movie would have a hard time explaining. Yeah. Um, again, I still like this movie. I right. love a lot but of I'm, scenes. I am recognizing but, some of those problems you're mentioning. I was having uh, fun with all the space battles and all of that, but once you once you dig into this giant Star Wars storyline that is the whole Star Wars universe, it is poking some holes in things. Right. I love Yoda coming back. Look, I still, I'm <laughs> a baby when it comes to these movies. When I first watched this movie, I still teared up when R2 and Luke had their interaction. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Especially when he brought the Leia hologram. And oh, yeah. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, that, that, right that was there a tear-jerking moment. Should have been when Luke was like, oh my god, I'm the new Obi-Wan. I have to go help these people. What am I doing here? That should have been his wake-up moment, you know? Mm-hmm. But instead he was like, nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> And that is when the, he started training Ray. Yeah, and so he got a little again, involved. We got two out of three lessons, right? Because we only got two, unless you watch the deleted scenes in which there's a third lesson. But it's not the best. Um, <laughs> then the other, the, the Yoda scene, fantastic. That's one of my favorite scenes of the sequel trilogy. 
um, Yoda drops some hard knowledge on Luke that, you know, teaching failure and mistakes is one of the biggest parts of a Jedi. Like, I think that was something that Yoda had to take the time to learn because he failed at finding Palpatine and, you know, he had to come to terms with the fact that you can fail sometimes and still be okay. And I, I love that scene. I love that it was still a puppet. It was still Frank Oz that <laughs> did Yoda. Um, and even though the, the, a lot of the haters out there are like, how could he set the tree on fire with lightning? You got to think, Yoda's part of the Force. He's one of the most powerful Force users that, was, uh, that ever existed. Of course, he can do something with lightning with the Force. Like, give me a break. Because, um, you know, the Force controls everything. So. Right. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Um, but but that scene is great. Um, the 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 fight scene where Kylo's just chopping heads off of those <laughs> those guards is mm-hmm. phenomenal. I mean, there's so many good things about this movie. There are just the a lot of the underlying things, and then what you see in Episode Nine as a result of it is kind of why I feel like the sequel trilogy was was a disaster. Um, and again, it's not the director's fault. I really think it was Disney and Kathleen Kennedy that were just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> right. Once you get that attitude where Star Wars is going to make money no matter what, and then also right. Disney has is in charge of this giant universe and all these other giant universes, uh, quality's going to suffer a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think they're heading in the right direction now with Dave Filoni giving him a mm-hmm. lot of control with stories. Bad Batch has been lackluster, but that's that's okay. That's more for a a, a kid, I think. Anyway, mm-hmm. I know Justin's kid really enjoys it, where Justin really hates it. So like, it makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but as far as the Mandalorian and that whole storyline that's about to pop off, I I really think they're gonna they're gonna bring a lot more um, faith back t- from from Star Wars fans. You know. Um, because a lot, a lot of people left after this movie. A lot of people didn't didn't even watch Rise of Skywalker after this one, and it's it's understandable because there was a, there was a lot of issues. And if you're, I haven't, I hadn't watched any of them. So, but I mean, you're not a diehard fan either. Yeah. So it's you know, it, it's a lot of the diehard fans. That I feel bad for them because Star Wars is still great. It's still like a fun part of my life. I still really enjoy all of it, you know? And just to think that I, that people could walk away from an entire lifetime of, of joy because of one movie is, is, is hard for mm-hmm. me. Like I, you, you still got to find the positives in it. You know, I can, you, you can dislike the movie all you want and, and some of the things, but man, it was still fun. There was still some fun scenes and some fun characters. So uh, and speaking of fun, uh, you mentioned that Yoda was a puppet. You mentioned mm-hmm. the animatronic uh, milk machine animal, whatever <laughs> yeah. we want to call that. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the really charming things about Star Wars is that they're using actual puppets, that they're using animatronics, and they've got these real things in the scenes versus mm-hmm. it'd be so easy to do it digitally. That's what most other movies and shows and whatever they're doing a lot of digital and it's cheaper, but there's something about having like interacting with an actual Yoda doll or interacting with this giant animatronic milk making craziness that 
it's easier to act against it it brings something extra to the movie and that's really cool and i think that's a, the i think that's the right path for them to be going down well again like with lucasfilm they're still advancing technology but they're still pulling from old technology and, and mm -hmm. continuing to let that grow as well like mandalorian they use the giant screen the led screen for their backdrops which is now being used in marvel movies um they they used it as an experiment for mandalorian and now they're branching out into bigger movies bigger productions because it's a really good way to use backdrops mm -hmm. um mandalorian again like you said yoda they're still using most of their characters and stuff are all animatronic in there so i that's one huge reason i still love star wars yeah because you can it's get a lovable thing about toys. it yeah <laughs> so um i don't know what what would you uh if you had to rate this one, I think you rated Force Awakens a six. What would you rate this one? I'd be close to seven point five or eight. Yeah. Uh, I I think I think I would have rated Force Awakens a, a nine, maybe a, an eight or nine, and this one I would have probably done a, about a six or seven. Yeah. Like very interesting. Yeah. Um, and I I think Force Awakens is just because of the nostalgia. You mm -hmm. know? It was just and the, yeah. I might be a little more into it this week versus when I started watching the Star Wars movies and I was just dragging my feet and I was adding negativity to my own thoughts. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's it's good to it's good to watch it, you know, at least once to kind of see mm -hmm. what the hype is all about, I guess. Um I will say Rise of Skywalker is my least watched Star Wars movie. Um And that's the next and, one. Yes, it's it's the last one in the Skywalker saga. Um I guess a little a little preview. It is, it is a retcon, so be ready for that. <laughs> and that means they're going to be changing a lot of the rules that I already know about Star Wars, right? Not necessarily. No, it's they're changing a lot of or fixing a lot of what happened in this movie. Okay. And it's they they had to they brought J.J. Abrams back for Episode Nine. Um, to finish the story out because Colin Trevorrow uh, left after after Last Jedi came out. And, and this is also why I think J.J. Abrams had a an outline for for everyone to kind of go by, um, because when it came out, Colin Trevorrow Trevorrow was like, I I have to rewrite my whole script. I have to rewrite my my entire movie. And you want me to finish this in a year? No, nah, I'm out. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's why they, they brought J.J. <coughs> Abrams back in. It is the longest Star Wars movie to date as well, um, The Rise of Skywalker is. Yikes. <laughs> uh, is it breaking <laughs> three hours? No, it's it's only like 240, maybe two, yeah. 230, 240, something like that. What about the Star Wars uh, special editions that nobody wants to acknowledge? Were those in three hours range? No, those were no. they. They didn't really do much as far as time okay. with those. There was a. Couple... That's right. It was a lot of weird digital stuff. Exactly. It was when Lucas went on his like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix, I'm gonna fix my movies. I'm gonna put better, better graphics in those and uh, uh, fix them up. That's probably when I actually fell in love with Star Wars. Is when I got those remastered ones, just because of where that landed in my life timeline. They came out in '97. Um, I would have been nine was, years old. Yep, I was nine. And 
they came out in theaters. So I actually got to see them in theaters when they came out because they were released for like a couple weeks um, when they released on special edition. He re-released them in theaters. So I had been watching Star Wars. My dad had shown me Return of the Jedi. It's the only one we had, and I had been watching the shit out of it for like a year, you know, and and then I find out that these movies are coming out, and I went and saw all of them in yeah. theaters. And, and then episode one came out, and it was all over. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Speaking of episode one, episodes one through three, I remember those getting kind of trashed on for a while after they came out like it wasn't as good of star wars but today in 2021 aren't those movies kind of loved <laughs> yeah yeah well, you know why it's because the people that watch those movies back in the day are us and we are the ones that are writing the reviews and we are the ones that are doing the podcast and we are i the think ones you're right liked those movies the older generation like my dad or that age range, the boomers that mm -hmm. came out when, you know, when Star Wars first came out, they watched those movies and trashed it because it was too, too kitty. Mm -hmm. um, the acting was too shitty and it, it just didn't appease to, to what they wanted. They, now, they still went out and bought all the merchandise, all the toys, all the shirts, yeah. all the stuff. But they, they had, they, you know, Hayden Christensen basically got booed out of Hollywood yeah um the guy that played jar jar binks was suicidal for like 10 years the kid uh. that played anakin <laughs> i mean dude the kid that played anakin uh, did he just die i think he just died recently oh uh Haley joel osmond or whatever no jake lloyd oh i'm gonna look that up um he might not have i might be mm -hmm. i might be yeah you yeah, know he, jar jar binks was pretty he, rough <laughs> i'm sorry he went to uh that guy went to like crazy uh, rehab because he became oh. an intense alcoholic and stuff. And he's like bipolar and craziness. So those poor actors from those movies, aside from Ewan McGregor and Natalie Portman, um, those poor actors really got the <laughs> shit end of the stick. So, and I, I blame George Lucas on that. I don't, do you remember? Do you remember that movie Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? Mm -hmm. When um, what's his, uh ben affleck is they're they're filming um goodwill hunting two hunting <laughs> uh-huh and they look over at the director and they're like what do you want us to do and he's just counting money like i don't care ben just film the scene i i kind of think that's what george lucas <laughs> did a little bit like yeah I don't care. I wrote it. Just just read the lines. I don't care. Let me just film this and put some. We're going to put big digital lasers behind you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can tell like Natalie Portman is not a bad actor. But that the way that those lines were delivered and, and some of the things that were said in those prequels, you were just so cheesy. And yeah. Watching it as an adult. Yes, they're cheesy. I still have a solid love for them, but. Again, I think that the reason they're loved now is because it's us. And I think I can agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, we're getting old, Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> At least we don't have kids. Yeah. Ooh, knock on wood there. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I don't really have much else to talk about with Last Jedi. I, you know, 
I, I, en- I enjoy all the Star Wars movies, some more than others. Um, mm-hmm. I will never bash on anything. I'll, I'll break it down and ask questions and be like, why did those decisions get made? Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you actually go back to Twist My Arm podcast and listen to The Last Jedi review, I'm pretty sure I gave it an 11 out of 10. I gave it <laughs> rave reviews on my first viewing. Um, I had only seen it once when I went and did that review, I believe maybe twice, but I was still reeling on the uh, the action scenes and just right. how amazing some of those things were. That and I that's where really I was last to, night watching. Yeah, I didn't get, I didn't really get to dig into a lot of the, the story and like really what was going on. So I think I kind of ignored the last 15 to 20 minutes of the movie <laughs> after all the fights and everything were over. I'm just like, ah, that was cool. But there was still yeah. storyline working its way out that I was kind of ignoring. And there's really not much at the end there. It's just, all right, there's 20 of us. Let's start this resistance again. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, cameo. My bad. Last cameo. Billy Lord, um, Carrie Fisher's daughter. Oh, okay. Is, um, that last is... person in the that was like holding the rebel ring? Yes. Uh, she's the first person person you see in the movie when when she's like on the ground and she's like get those things loaded oh okay she's uh she's pretty predominant in this movie she was in it for for a lot of scenes and carrie fisher's dog was also in this movie his name is gary fisher they put some antennas on him in the in the casino scene i does carrie fisher do a lot of interviews holding her dog yes yeah that's what i thought r.i.p oh carrie um, yeah, she Gary, she took Gary everywhere, and that dog, his little tongue hangs out. Mm-hmm. He's really, really adorable. <laughs> but this was uh, this was Carrie's last movie for sure. Wow. Um, oh, and you know, I know that we're getting a little over on time here. That's fine. But one other, the last qualm we didn't even talk about this: uh, Princess Leia floating through space. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? I do have a note about that. Uh, I wrote, I knew Leia could use the Force. <laughs> but that's it, right? Yeah, she doesn't seem to be a Jedi, uh, but she does seem to be in tune with the Force. Right. And how hard would it have been? Carrie Fisher died a year before this movie came out. Okay, all filming had been done, but she had she had passed away mm-hmm. after filming. You know, rest in peace. How hard would it have been to just kill her off right there? Right, even in post. I mean, and and just replace her. Because she wasn't even in the movie. After that, she's like in a coma for the rest of the movie. And Holdo takes over. Mm-hmm. Just kill her. And then Holdo takes over. And then Akbar does the suicide run. <sighs> Fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> that does sound pretty good. <laughs> Um, that that was a big issue with with fans was Princess Leia can't do that she can't she can't pull herself through space but those I knew when I was also, nine years old that Leia could use the Force right and those people also watched Clone Wars where Plo Koon pulled himself through space to get into into safety so it's it's a very possible thing you just you know have to remember that it's fantasy yeah <laughs> so. Well, I think that's just about everything for this movie. Is that correct? I 
I believe so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back to do the last movie, which is named. It's the Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of so Skywalker. Good. The Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Do you mind? Can I can I do a few plugs really quick? Please do. Yes. So, as as you guys all know, and I'm I'm just sitting over here in my Twist My Arm shirt. I shamelessly promote all the time, but as you know, we are all part of the Twist My Arm Network. Um, you can go to twistmyarmpodcast.com and you can see all the different shows we have to offer. We got Sudden but Inevitable. We got Marvel Canon Madness, uh, the Twist My Arm flagship show, Best Flicks, Quest Me. There's a bunch of stuff on there. Um, we just opened up a store with some really cool merchandise. Um, Best Flicks actually has some of the coolest merchandise. I Hats, feel like. socks, all kinds of cool stuff. Shirts. Yes. yes. Um, and if you if you just head to our website, you can find the little TMA store tab, and uh, that'll take you there. Um, it is, you know, we don't we don't really make too much off the t-shirts but it's really cool for you know when people support us and and when i see other people wearing wearing something that we have created you know right it's it's just a it's a great feeling so if you guys if you guys feel like supporting the network and you know especially best flicks in any sort of way head over to that store and check it out um you can find me josh on twitter at twist my arm cast and you search facebook or instagram for twist my arm podcast and like us over there, and um, those are all the plugs I got. Podcon, yeah. Podcon, that's all. Podcon one, coming up. Podcon is coming up this Saturday. I know Best Flicks releases Sunday or Monday, so yep. Um, this Saturday, August fourteenth, it is a completely free event for all the new podcasters or people that are looking to get into podcasting and want to kind of know, get some information and some pointers on things. Um, we're we're podcasters helping podcasters, basically. So we're throwing our TMA PodCon 21 um, Saturday, August 14th. It starts at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. So that would be 3 Eastern. Um, Noon? 12, 12 Pacific. Yeah. And it should go it should go for a few hours. We're going to be talking about editing, talking about building a fan base, and talking about um, interviewing and just kind of podcast etiquette in general and um it should it should be a lot of fun so so check it out go to twistmorepodcast.com look for podcon um you can sign up there we'll also have it floating all over the web it'll be on twitter it'll be on twitch youtube facebook i'll probably even hook it up to our instagram um i'll, I'll it'll be going everywhere throughout the twist Marm network so make sure to join us on on august 14th for podcon and, you know, this is kind of focused on helping podcasters. But if anybody else wants to come out there and just watch what we're doing, this kind of applies to professional life as too, professional life as well. The way we do a lot of communicating over Zoom these days, uh, mm -hmm. you know, building a market, all that kind of stuff. We're aiming it at podcasters, but almost anybody can get a lot of solid information out of this. Yeah, especially with promoting and stuff. That's that's going to be one of the better... Um segments for for everyone is mm -hmm. the promotion and building a base because like ricky was saying even even if you're not a podcaster you know if you're a musician or you have a store like a, a local store or restaurant or something like that and you're looking to build some sort of base great way to do it is on is on the internet yep and um we, we definitely we have some we have some pointers for that <laughs> well this has been josh with the twist my arm network 
I'm Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. You can find me on Twitter at Best Flicks Ricky D. And I just wanted to say thank you all for coming with us.